0: Today, we're going to be looking at Psalm 84, which begins like this. Let me read to you just the first verse. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. It's beautiful. It's beautiful here. The sun is shining in. We drove from Montello this morning. It's a gorgeous drive. Now, you may not have anything to do with this, but whoever... Cut the roads through the rolling hills, that's gorgeous. Whoever cleared the fields for the farmers, those are beautiful. And planted the crops in the orchards. It was a lovely journey this morning from Montello to see God's creation, to enjoy this place. Let's look at Psalm 84, and I want to take a look in three different parts. First, Psalm 84, 1 through 4 is a longing. The longing that we have, that longing desire to be in the presence of God where we are today. Verses 5 through 7 is the journey to get to this place. And 8 through 12 is a prayer Spurgeon says this about this psalm. It matters little when this psalm was written or by whom. For our part, it exhales to us a Davidic perfume. It smells of the mountain heather and the lone places of the wilderness where David must have often lodged during his many wars. This sacred ode is one of the choicest of all the collection. It has a mild radiance about it. Entitling it to be called the Pearl of Songs. Let me begin by reading to you just these first four verses of Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of Hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. The psalmist here, he once He wants to be where he is not. The psalmist longs to be in the presence of God. He longs to be in the house of God, and he is not right now. This place is where we can be in the presence of God. Together, we celebrate here together in the presence of God. Sometimes we cry out to our God. Sometimes we are not where we need to be, not where we desire to be. We long as humans created in the image of God. We long to be with our creator. And you can almost feel the psalmist's heartfelt desire to be close to God. Sometimes when Renata and I are talking, we'll say, is it time to go to heaven and be with Jesus yet? This world can be a difficult place. It's been a challenging few years for us. On a personal note, one year ago today, we were it was a beautiful day just like this. October 1st, we were in Rock Island, Illinois, at a cemetery burying my mom's remains. That was a long year with many ups and downs. My dad was also in the hospital during some of that time. He is now home and doing pretty well. Then earlier this, earlier this year, my nephew died in a tragic incident. He was in the Navy. It wasn't Navy related, but there was a beautiful uh, military graveside ceremony. He had three siblings. And just a matter of a few weeks ago, the father of those three siblings died of a brain tumor. Renata and I both work at Montella schools. And maybe you know this, but in schools now, we have to do drills for active shooters. It's a terrible thing. I mean, you understand fire drills and tornado drills, but now we have to do drills for active shooters. And just this past week, there was a stranger wandering through the school late at night. The custodial crew that was there that night uh, called me because they didn't know exactly how to handle this, what they thought was a student wandering through the halls. Eventually, he was escorted out. But in the back of our minds, we remember about a year ago, when a kid brought a gun to school and left it in the bathroom, we found it and it was never used. But all those things are going on in our minds and we, we've, as you all have, we have difficulties here on this earth. This earth is, it's a broken earth and we live in that. And our hearts long to be in the presence of God. And sometimes this can become overwhelming. And we say, is it time to go to heaven and be with Jesus yet? I don't know about you, but I understand this longing that Psalm 84 brings out here. The Psalms give us a language to speak to God. Sometimes we don't know what words to say. And in the Psalms, we can find expressions of hope and expressions of fear. We can find, like this psalmist, going through a difficult time, and God wants to hear our hearts. It's okay to express to God when we're having a hard time, when things seem dark and gloomy. And it's okay to express to God when everything is going right. He wants to know either way. Sing for joy and celebrate when, with God when things are fantastic. He longs to hear from us. And sometimes the psalmist knows just the right words to say when we today don't have the words to say. For example, Psalm 42 says this, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. Well, they say to me all night long, Where is your God? And Psalm 142, attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they, they are too strong for me. Sometimes the Psalms give us words to speak to God. In this Psalm, it almost seems like in verse 3, that the psalmist is a little envious of the sparrow, the least valued of birds and the swallow, which is said to be the most restless, who have found homes in the temple. This is where he desires to be. This is where he's going to journey and end up. But the birds are living there. And it almost sounds like he's a little bit envious that they get that place. Psalm 84 verse 4 says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, Ever singing your praise. I don't think this refers to the birds ever singing his praise, though it could, but to the priest. You see, he wished he could stay in the temple all the time. That wasn't what he was able to do. He wished he could live there and he thought the priest must have the best jobs in the world to live in the temple. And to live in the presence of God all the time, that's got to be the greatest. Hmm. And it would be, or it should be, if, if, if they are living the righteous lives that they are called to. Blessed, blessed means someone who has received something good from the Lord. It's not just a temporary feeling of, happiness. We hear in the media all the time people saying, I feel really blessed to have done this or to be here or to... What they really mean is they're very happy or they're very lucky. Oftentimes, that's what they mean because to be blessed is a gift from God because of a relationship that we have with Him. The longing, the psalmist here in these first four four verses of Psalm 84 lets us know that he wants to be in the presence of God and that's what he longs for. And let me tell you this, as much as the psalmist longs to be in the presence of God, God longs for us to be in his presence even more even more than we long and yearn to be in the presence of God. God is longing and yearning to have us with him. Next, this next section describes a journey. Verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Here we find this journey starting now. He has his heart set on this journey to God's house. It's not just a mechanical pilgrimage. His heart is set because it desires, it longs to be in the house of God with him in his presence. God's people were given certain times throughout the year that they were required to go into the temple. To offer sacrifices and to worship, and for some it could be a mere habit. Not for this psalm writer. It says that those whoops in whose heart are the highways to Zion. In other words, in the in his longing, in his heart, he wants to be there in God's presence, the place of Zion where God resides. Again, let me read to you from Deuteronomy 16. At the feast, these are the three times during the year. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the lord your god he has given you here here god has truly blessed those who journey to the temple of god to be in his presence and to worship him and experience him blessing again here doesn't mean that it's just happiness but they bring a portion of what God has provided, how God has truly been good to these people, giving life and strength and sustenance. So part of what they have been given from God, they bring back to the temple. They are truly blessed of God. And for this pilgrimage, he has set his heart, his whole being on entering the presence of God. And this is what gives him strength. And listen to verse 6. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Now, one way to read this would be to say that as this group travels together, they are in communion with each other and gaining strength from each other. They know their destination, and because they know they will soon be in the presence of God, they can turn even the driest situations into a positive experience, into a spring, perhaps. But another way to read this, I think, that makes more sense for me and my experience in my life, going through the Valley of Baca which is the Valley of Tears, becomes a spring because of all the tears that are shed, of all the weeping. It's a difficult time. And all the tears makes the drought a spring. There are two things that I want to point out to you about this journey. First thing I want to point out is this pilgrimage is not made alone. It's communities that gather together to journey. It's not one man all out on his own by himself. It would be unsafe for one thing, but they were all required. So those who could would gather their offerings and they would make the journey. And they would do it together, sometimes gaining more people in more groups as they go. So they have a large group of people, a large community. It's not a journey that we carry out on our own. And this is what I want to say about that. I believe for a long time, I didn't always believe this, but I, for a long time, I've believed that God created us. To live in community. This is a community of believers. God created you to live in this community where you can love and care for each other. And that's fun to see. You lift up one another, you share your lives. You take care of each other's children. It's a safe place to talk about your experiences, your valleys, your triumphs. People want to share those with you because we are in community. This is the way I believe God created us to live. These few fleeting, Years that we live on this planet earth are not meant to be lived in isolation. Let me read to you from Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. I believe that God created us to live in community. This is a community. It's fun to see you gather together and share each other's lives. Liz, do you have a question? I see you raising your hand. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> second thing I want you to know about this As they travel through the Valley of Baca, on their journey, they don't make residence in this low point, in this dry, arid place. Because they're all together, because it's a community, they can make it through this time that seems to be very difficult on their journey to be in the presence of God. They don't have to live in the depths of life. They don't have to live in drought or weeping or sorrow. I know this is easier said than done. Sometimes we go through difficult times, but as a community, we can love each other and care for each other and lift each other and help each other on our journey. They go from strength to strength. Verse 7 says, each one appears before God in Zion. Each step of the way on this journey, we are strengthened because we know where the journey leads. Morning, we are here as a community and we gather here and we recognize this is a place that as a community we can come and gather together and be in the presence of God. We gather and sing his praises. We gather to learn and to teach and to share our lives, to love and to uplift. If we came together into this place just to chat, our time in this building would be almost meaningless. It would be like taking 81,440 of your best friends and going to Lambeau Field, Lambeau Field and filling the stadium, but there not be a game. It would be almost worthless. Okay, maybe not. It, for some of us, I think that might be a religious experience in, in itself. But, but you know what I mean. To gather together and not recognize that we are in the presence of God. To not worship him and bring to him our offerings. To not come into community and love and lift each other. This is what we're made for. This is where we need to be. And this is what we need to be about. That's the journey. We find strength because we know why we're here. There's a purpose, and we are in God's presence. Verse 8 leads us into a prayer. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Now, this prayer should make us think when he says, hear my prayer, give ear, O God of Jacob. Can you imagine? Um, well, maybe you can't. Let me take you back to what he's referring to when he says God of Jacob. Jacob. What he's saying is he's, he's recalling how faithful God was to Jacob, and he's hoping to receive that same provision and faithfulness. The God of Jacob was a faithful God who did not give up on him, even though Jacob took a little nudging here and there. Jacob was a deceiver. He was a trickster. He didn't always do things right. Jacob cheated his brother out of Uh, his inheritance, his birthright. He had a twin brother who was moments older than him. So Esau, the twin brother, should have received the birthright of the eldest son. But Jacob had a plan to cheat Esau out of his birthright. Later on, when Jacob's father was about to die, Jacob and his mom were in together, they cheated their dad. They, um, Isaac was the father. Before he died, he was to bless the oldest son. And blessing wasn't just saying, I hope you do well in your life. Here's my inheritance. It was far more than that. It was recognized by God as something bestowed on the eldest son so that he could carry out his responsibilities with the estate as servants for the family and looking to God. It was a big deal. But Jacob tricked his brother out of that also. His brother wanted to kill him. Jacob went in hiding. For years and years, Jacob was hiding from his brother who wanted to kill him. Jacob eventually found a wife and his father-in-law or soon to be father-in-law tricked him deceived him so that eventually he married two of his father-in-law's daughters but in the end he had a big family and a and God truly blessed him he had 12 sons his name was later changed to Israel. So now we recognize these 12 sons as the 12 tribes of Israel. So you see when this psalmist says God of Jacob, he is recalling so much more than just a name that God maybe remembers. This is the lineage that eventually leads to Jesus himself that leads to David When he prays God of Jacob, he is recognizing that he too needs the God of Jacob, the one who's going to be faithful. Then he says, better is one day. Hmm. It's as if he's willing to give up Years of his life in order just to see, uh, to stand in the presence of God for one day. This is how much better it is to be in the presence of God than not. And he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The doorkeeper is likely the lowest position in a uh, estate. Stands outside. All the day, guards at the door, checks visitors, maybe cleans feet, doesn't get to enter. But once in a while, maybe he can look inside and see the house of God. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. So if you had a choice, if I gave you this choice, you can go stand outside at the entrance of this home and make sure nobody bad comes in. Make sure people are bringing appropriate things. They're clean. They have what they need when they enter in. And just stay there and wait. Or here's choice number two. The neighbors, they're not very nice. But you can go into their house. And you can lounge on their big overstuffed couch. In front of their 80-inch flat screen TV. And you get the remote. And they have the NFL Sunday ticket. I mean, what would you choose? But here, there is not a choice at all. He would rather be the doorkeeper, not even close. He doesn't need the comforts if it's going to be in the place of wickedness. If God wants to bless him with comforts, he will take that. But he would rather be a doorkeeper at the house of the Lord than to dwell inside the tent where there is wickedness. This is how much God's presence is better than anything else in all creation. In this prayer, God is recognized as the one who provides life and security. He is the sun and the shield So what this pilgrim wants to find at the end of his journey is the presence of God. So he prays. He knows he's not where he wants to be. He has that longing and the desire. He knows there will be a journey and it, it may not be very easy, but he knows also he won't be alone. And he longs for the presence of God, which includes God's blessing of life and security. Not just an occasional happy feeling, but God's blessing because of a relationship that he has with God. And there's more good news. We don't have to make that long journey to the temple three times a year in order to be in the presence of God. We enter here and we can be in the presence of God. But better than that, Paul writes and reminds us, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. So you see, your journey doesn't even have to begin at home and bring you here, though you need this. You need this. Your journey can be a short journey. Into God's presence. Journey into your own heart. Journey into your own life. Every moment of every day. And you find God's presence. The psalmist here describes how fantastic. How he would give up so much. In order to be in the presence of God. And friends we have. God has blessed us with the ability to live in God's presence day after day after day. Are you kidding me? The God of the universe that created all of this. He wants to live right here. It's overwhelming. It's something that I just have to tell you about. It's fantastic. This is what we have. We see in Psalm 84, this Psalm gives us words to express what sometimes we need to express. Shows us that being in God's presence is where we want to be. There's a journey. We can talk to God. We can find his presence every moment of every day. Let's pray. Lord, our God and our Father and Savior, Notice us here today. See all our lives, what's going on within and without. See the trials and the triumphs. Lord, please provide comfort for the trials. And Lord, help us to recognize the great celebration of the triumphs. I'm so glad you never take your attention away from any of us. Though sometimes we may feel unworthy of your attention. And perhaps we would sometimes prefer if you would look away. I know that you won't stop noticing us and providing for us. And for this, we are truly thankful. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Amen.